Hello and welcome to Reptory Screenings episode 58. I'm your host, Em, and with me are my co-host Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hi. And we're here to talk about some goddamn movies. It's time. Um, Who wants to volunteer to talk about movies first? I gotta remember what I watched. Jackson. I did not watch. Yeah, hello. Hi. What do you want? What have you seen? Uh, I've not watched that much, um, but I did like get caught up on uh, watching the Matrix movies. Oh yeah, how's that? Um, how's the Matrix? Well, I didn't. I didn't watch the Matrix. Oh. That one I skipped. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was on another podcast. I was on an episode of the of, uh, the Matrix. Has you hello audio entropy? I don't. Um, I it's not out yet. I recorded okay. it a while ago, but it's not out yet. Um, have not made it. For, unless they're going to release two episodes in the next two days. Okay. Uh, hasn't made it for the release of Matrix Resurrections. Uh, but I, I, you know, as a known Matrix Reloaded defender was on, on that. And then afterwards I did just watch Re- Re- Revolutions because I felt like I couldn't, you know. I just went in with the energy. Yeah. Um, and um, they're, they're a good time. They're a good, Matrix Reloaded is a classic, obviously. Um Though, uh, I, I am a known Matrix Reloaded defender in that I will post about how good the Matrix Reloaded is, but I'm not, I don't invest in the Matrix in the way that some of my friends do. Um, I just really like it when Morpheus says things. Yes, uh, that, that's it. Zion, hear me. It is true what Zion many of you have heard. Yeah, machines! <laughs> Concordantly. <laughs> Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, what if uh, I told you I, the war could be over tomorrow? Isn't that worth fighting for? Isn't that worth dying for? And the fucking kid shows up and you're like, oh my god, this guy. Shut up. This guy. Um, I ended up liking um, Magic Revolutions more than I ever have in history, because I've always thought that one um, sucked. <laughs> I uh, I firmly believe it sucks, so... Yeah, and I don't think it, like, is so good the... I would encourage you to revisit it specifically. I'm not going to, um, so that's fine. Uh, but I did end up liking it as like a. This whole thing is just. Uh, uh, well, I have. Have you? Uh, Destiny's Destiny, about you... to rewatch it, so no, you can't. Okay, I. So I, can't, I, I can't rewatched uh, the Matrix and Reloaded just this week, but. Well, how did you find them? I liked them way more than I remembered liking them when I first saw them. Uh, I assume you first saw them in high school when you were like a real movie nerd that was above this this uh, <laughs> Matrix crap. Well, I'm so old that the Matrix came out when I was in middle school, um, <laughs> and I uh, remember really liking it, thinking it was cool. But like, I didn't get super into it. But like, upon this rewatch, I was like, "Oh, these are." I, I, oh, I also remember watching reloaded in the theater in high school and being like this is incomprehensible like for some reason i just did not <laughs> broke what they were putting down but uh it's actually a really fun movie and it's really like it's not incoherent i don't know where i got that from i think when he meets the architect i just kind of shut down and i was like i don't know what's going on um but i can't i do love the architect yeah it was one of the best <laughs> scenes in the movie so i don't know i don't know what uh, high school me was thinking. I mean, the best thing about the Matrix Reloaded is, uh, of like, every single time they go to the Merovingian and I just lose my mind as he's like, what is this what you see? Cause and effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you come to me. He's doing ridiculous French action the whole time. It's amazing. Um, I know he's somehow in the new one. 
which of course I'm very excited for. Um, less excited for I've seen the trailers. And I'm, I'm my friends are some of my friends are really into it, and I and I just am not because I don't in. When I come to the Matrix again, it's for when Lawrence Fishburne says stuff, um, and he's not in this one. <laughs> uh, not as invested in the Morpheus Trinity stuff, uh, the Neo Trinity stuff. Um, but I am invested in the Merovingians showing up and just saying stupid shit to camera, hopefully for as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I enjoyed them. Did you watch anything else? I watch. No. Oh, sorry. You're talking to Jackson. Yeah. Well, well I, no. N- n- no. <laughs> okay, Destiny. Go. Did I already talk about the Magnificent Ambersons? No, we had not watched that yet. We watched Orson Welles' The Magnificent Ambersons, which I believe was his follow-up to Citizen Kane, right? Yes. And that's a solid fucking movie. Yeah, we watched that after, like, right after the day we were after we recorded, um, like the later that day. So. Oh my goodness. Episode. Yeah, no, that was really good. Joseph Cotton, what an actor! Yeah, that it's really mustache. good. I I'd seen it maybe like fifteen years ago or so. Uh, whenever I bought the like seventy seventieth seventy fifth anniversary uh, Susan Cain DVD box set, which is the first time I saw Susan Cain, maybe that's a Blu Ray. That might be a Blu Ray. I don't actually remember. Um, and it came with Magnificent Ambersons. Um, but Criterionist's done a nice version. It's on the Criterion channel. It's good. It's, it's even in its like horribly mutilated form, and it'll never be fixed. Or whatever. Uh, it's still fucking better than basically every movie ever made. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good time. And then I also watched uh, this Abel Ferrara movie called The Addiction, um, which is about. Uh, Lily Taylor becomes a vampire, but she's also a philosophy student getting her doctorate, and she somehow molds being a vampire into her philosophical worldview, and it's just like this heady sort of black and white uh, 90s thing. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird movie. It makes a lot of weird choices, but it was really entertaining. There's a uh, Chris Walken cameo. He's in it for like what five minutes. Yeah, but he really uh, steals the little bit he's in. I wish he was in more of it. Yeah, me too. What were you gonna say about it? Oh, I just I liked it. It's good. Um, I don't have a ton to say. It was uh, it reminded me a lot because I had watched Miss Forty Five like a couple days before we watched that, maybe a week before, and that was like really good, like a riff on exploitation movies it's like a little artier and uh, i had a great time with it the addiction is like a jarmusch movie like it's able for our in like full-on jim jarmusch mode to me um and uh that was that was a surprising departure um from like what i expected having just seen miss 45 yeah i've only seen driller killer and miss 45 so i was expecting something way schlockier yeah and it's it's not it's it's more of like Sort yeah, of the, the addiction's like in a yeah, it's in like a post hunger like the hunger like this is about the attitudes and and uh, like ennui of vampirism and people and like uh, you know alienation. It's good. Yeah, it's a good time. There's a lot of Sopranos actors in it. Uh, I could not identify a single Sopranos actor if you made me so. Edie Falco, Michael Imperioli, Annabella Sciarra. It was just it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything else? 
no, I think that was everything I've watched. It was just I'm looking forward to watching the third Matrix movie because I did not like it the first time I saw it, and I'm hoping I like it a little more this time around. Mm-hmm. I have a couple things I want to talk about. I watched half of the Beatles Get Back, the Peter Jackson documentary about the recording of, uh, what was that? Let it be? Yeah, let it be. Let it be. Um, let it be, yeah. Uh, it's okay. I like the Beatles, probably more than almost anyone I know. But I don't want to watch seven hours of them all sitting around, like, being like, oh, should we write some music now, lads? And having a <laughs> big fight about it. <laughs> You like the Beatles, but I'm going to go ahead and say that my estimation of how much you like the Beatles, because I always, I always assume you like the Beatles in a very quiet way. You're not going to talk about it. It's the fucking Beatles. No, you like but I, like I, like I, can, I can like sing like a three whole, like, you know, I like Sgt. Pepper and the White Album. Maybe those are the only two. I could just sing back to front. Like, I like the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I didn't realize how many people I am like mutuals with on Twitter like the fucking Beatles and were going through this documentary. It's like this is like a holy text. I was like, damn, I didn't, I didn't realize this was so close. I thought this was like, they're oh, just you a, know, they're my just dad. Four, they're just four like British guys who kind of suck talking about how they shouldn't, they shouldn't actually be in a band anymore, but they're gonna do it anyway. And you know what? Uh, let it be mid album. So you know what? They were right. They should have just broken up. Yeah, that album <laughs> has two good tracks on it, and the rest is skippable. Uh, it just seems too long. Like I get, yes. I like if I was into something, I would also want just like all the footage. So you know, you don't. I get it from I don't, that perspective. I don't actually want all the footage. If this was a Radiohead I mean, yeah. movie, I'd want more of it. I'm just saying. Like if this, it was yeah, a band, like, I actually gave a shit about. Like I like the Beatles. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm actually a Beatles. Like I consider myself a Beatles fan. But like I just don't need this. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I should watch the original documentary because this is like footage that was used in the original Let It Be documentary, uh, like that wasn't put in that movie, just like reassembled into like a narrative, um, and then given the 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 old DNR uh, brush that makes it. Uh, oh, kind of, it looks rough. terrible. Uh, I I think that the the amount it looks terrible is a little overblown, but yeah, it's not great. Okay, well, I mean, just why? Just just fucking just post it with the grain. Yes. Peter. Yes. You've you've made the you've made real life look like the uncanny disaster that is the Hobbit movies where everyone's got smooth face. Yeah, everyone does have a little bit of smooth face. That is true. Um, gotta say, as someone who doesn't like Paul McCartney as like a human being, I just think he's kind of obnoxious. He comes off as like the best of all four Beatles. There, um, have to just admit this as true. He's just like, yeah. are we going to make some songs? Or are we just going to sit here and complain about how hard it is to make songs? Like, we're here. He's the only one who seems to actually like playing music. Um, John Lennon seemed like apparent, like the, the documentary did not get into this in the first half I watched is in the middle of like doing a lot of drugs. So he's just kind of there noodling on a guitar and laughing at everything that everybody says. Um, <laughs> George like leaves has a big like complaint about, uh, it's the fucking John and Paul show. It's not like no one cares about George and fucks off. And Ringo's like waiting for a movie to start shooting like in a week. So he's like, as long as we don't leave the country, I don't care what we do. <laughs> <laughs> the golden retriever of that, the Beatles. But that's a dynamic you can really get across in um, you know, not four hours. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't need I didn't even need the like four hours I watched, much less like another four on top of it. Yeah. Um obnoxious too much it's just too much uh peter jackson has a problem with excess always has uh, wh- and, weird? Weird. and post lord of the rings it's just become an there is no figure in modern film history as like 
tragic, but it's all his fault. So I'm not sympathetic as Peter Jackson. Yes. Like there is a grand tragedy to ruining a country for a movie you hate and don't want to do. Yes. Um, and then but, just making uh, and making your <laughs> passive projects over and over again, but they're like bloated, d- disgusting messes nobody likes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I can't. Like I said, I can't feel bad for it. You just keep ruining things for no reason, Peter. Yeah. I Lord of the Rings still fucking bangs though. Um, we'll see when we revisit them when we get to that point in uh, Bag and Book Club. I, you know. I could feel pretty confident that the movie, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, is still fucking masterpiece. Yeah. I would say that about Two Towers, uh, also. Return of the King? Eh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so then I watched Family Plot, I want to discuss. This is the final Hitchcock film. Uh, again, there's a Criterion thing going on. Um, Should have just kept him alive. Just make him not die so that we can still have fucking Hitchcock movies from the 50s existing in today. Well, this is from 76 and it feels out of time and it's really interesting. Um, so this is about um, a, a spiritualist. She's like a psychic. She's definitely fake, though. She just is a fake psychic um, who fleeces old people, try to, like, tell them things or whatever. And this old woman's like, ah, oh, the only person who might be left in my family as I'm dying is this, like, illegitimate heir to my fortune, this guy. I think, he, like, I'm, if I forced his my sister or her, my daughter, I don't remember, doesn't matter, uh, to give him up for adoption because it was back in the day, you understand, and we couldn't have young, unwedded mothers. Uh, but now he's my only heir, and I'd like to give him my fortune. And if anyone could find him for me, I would give them a bunch of money. So uh, her and her, like, dirtbag taxi driver boyfriend, who's uh, played by Bruce Dern, just being a ridiculous person, decide to track down this guy. This guy is a criminal who hangs out with Karen Black, and they, like, kidnap old people for or like rich people for ransom and they think that these are like private investigators like trying to find them to like bring them to justice so they're ready to like (laughs) murder them um and they're just trying to find them to like tell them they get millions of dollars and it's just a cartoon car crash of these two couples who both suck trying to like you know pin down the other one first and not understanding that there's no cross purposes here (laughs) That's incredible. It's I didn't really realize good. that was a premise. That's one of the best stupid premises for a movie I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. funny. Um, I highly recommend it. What if like a living scam email was one was one side, but then the other people were like actually kidnapping old people and stealing their money on the other side? Yeah. So that, that's ridiculous. That's so good. Maybe I'll watch this because that's that's stupid. That's so yeah, good. Yeah, I had a great time with it. Um really enjoyed it it's very silly um and then uh last night i watched sherlock holmes and the deadly necklace which i wanted to shout out um i got this uh euro crypt of christopher lee box set that was on sale over black friday um and this is this is one that was in there it's directed by terence fisher who's like the famous hammer horror guy did like all the classic hammer horror stuff uh he made this movie in 1962 with christopher lee um it's black and white and it's christopher lee as sherlock holmes uh he's got like a fake nose on but it's a it's a it's a german movie so it's overdubbed in german and there's an english dub but the english dub was produced in america so it's overdubbed with a bunch of american actors so you get christopher lee to play sherlock holmes looks like he's doing a great job but they don't use any of his actual audio of him playing sherlock holmes wow fucking incredible history's greatest tragedy the movie itself is like a weird farce about like sherlock knows that moriarty 
is doing crimes. But Moriarty is like a member of high society that Scotland Yard loves because he consults on cases with them um, and just knows a lot. And is like, he, you know, he's donating stuff to everybody. And the head of Scotland Yard's like, oh, he must come from old money then. And Sherlock Holmes is like, no, he does not. I know this for a fact, but can't figure out how to prove it as they like both try to get a hold of Cleopatra's necklace. Um, and it is, it's not like an out and out comedy, but it's definitely playing with like the part where mysteries and especially when it's like two people going for the same thing are kind of like inherently funny. Um, there's a whole bit where Moriarty has a cane that like shoots a blade out of the handle if he like twists it. And Sherlock Holmes goes to demonstrate this to the guy in Scotland Yard. Um, and it turns out that because he knew Sherlock Holmes was going to do that, he swapped it out for one that has like brandy in it. And when you turn the handle and he's like, would you like brandy? And the, the Scotland Yard guy is like, no, I'm a duty. I can't have any drink. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Very silly. That's ridiculous. Not very good, but it was very silly. Um, Christopher Lee's great. Even if you can't hear him. I, it's just a, it's a shame. <laughs> yeah, knowing the movie is what it is, but then dubbed over entirely in German is yes. so funny. Yeah, uh, that's it. I watched a couple other things, but those are the ones that like, I wanted to talk about. So It's been kind of slow yeah. time. We've been working on podcast work pretty heavily, so... Yes, we have. I haven't had a lot of time. I watched I Know What You Did last summer. That movie fucking sucks. I just want to shout that out as an especially terrible movie. Miserable. I remember seeing that in the theater. What a bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They made three of those? Yeah. I got to watch the other ones just to see how the fuck that happens. Um, I mean, it, it did well. That's how that happens. But the first one barely is like enough to string along a movie. So I don't know how they do two more. Um Famously, from the guy what did the the script for Scream, but was written way before and produced after, so you know the story there. I don't even need to tell you what happened. <laughs> yeah, you were like, "Why is this so bad?" It's like, and I was like, "Look, look, looked it up for you." Uh, and yeah, the Wikipedia was like, "This is Scream was such a big hit." And they was like, "What if, what the fuck do we have? Do we have anything? Oh, okay, we'll just do this, and then we'll post. Uh, we'll, we'll put all the posts up with the friend, the creator of Scream, and then we'll get sued about it." <laughs> yeah. Um. It's it's bad. It's not very good. That's all. Sometimes the movie's just bad and there's nothing to do about it. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um it also plays up the the like who who could the killer possibly be uh literally forever. Um the, the, like it, like more than half, like two thirds of the movie, they're like who who's who's going around and threatening us. Uh the movie opens with like them getting drunk or whatever and hitting a guy and then they dispose of the body. It's clearly that guy. He did. They didn't actually. He wasn't actually dead. Uh, but they spend forever going like, "What could possibly be going on?" Uh, just way past the point of credulity. Um, it's weird because, like, with Freddie Prince and the Sarah Michelle Gellar, it just reeks of like this could just be the Scooby Doo movie, and it'd be better if it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the same movie, but there's a talking dog there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even like the first Scooby-Doo movie that much, but it's a better movie than this. Mm -hmm. anyway. well, I mean, you just like Scooby-Doo as I a concept. Do. I do, that's true. Not, not like, you know, not that much, but it's a, it's a solid concept. You can't <laughs> fuck it up, really, for the most part. <laughs> what if there were some kids solving a mystery and they had a dog for some reason? Yeah, the dog talked. That's it. Uh, anyway, we should get into our movie. Our movie this week is Punishment Park, the 1971 pseudo-documentary uh, written and directed by Peter Watkins. Uh, this came out in the 1st of January, 1971. Jackson, I want you to describe what happens and also tell me why you picked this in that order. I just, 
In that order. Damn it. In that order. Okay. So in Punishment Park, uh, it is the year 1970, and uh, Richard Nixon has declared a state of emergency uh, on account of uh, all the crime and sedition and anti-American behavior in America uh, in the face of the Vietnam War. And... um, they are cracking down on the civil rights people and student movements and communists and black liberationists and all these various factions. Uh, classic of like 60s radicalism. Uh, and the new law sends them either to prison or because the prisons are so full, they, they get three days in Punishment Park. And if they reach the flag at the end, uh, the American flag at the end, of course, uh, which is like a th- a three uh, miles and miles away uh, w- in a three-day trek across the desert, um, they can uh, they can be set free. Uh, oh, uh, Stephen King's caught, The Walk. Stephen King's The Walk, yes. But the difference here is that while this is like a classic modern death game battle royale situation, uh, the premise of Punishment Park is not, it is not a death, it is not officially a death game, uh, at least in how the police are pitching it. Uh, it is an exercise, a training exercise for the uh, police people, and they are not here to kill the participants. They will capture them and arrest them, and then they'll go serve the rest of their sentence. That is obviously not how it ends up working out, but that is specifically how it's pitched. It is not pitched to the public as a death game, uh, and it is a movie about the way police violence is obfuscated, uh, and through the slightest amount of obfuscation, people will accept just horrific police state violence. Uh, The movie follows... um, different groups like moving their way across punishment part trying to make the flag uh some of them break off and um decide to resist because they think that the whole game's rigged which it is there's no water it's all fucked uh and uh end up all getting killed and shot uh another group make it to the flag and of course uh the police have just driven there and surrounded the flag even though they followed all the rules uh they are all uh beat to death essentially as they uh um have made it to the end and there is no escaping uh the police and that's uh that's the plot of the movie the bulk of the actual like scenes are um improvised um trials for all these people uh in which they speak to the like the um tribunal of not even judges, just whatever the fuck is going on here in a tent, and they ruin all these people's lives uh, about the ways in which um, people doing just, like, horrific state violence will hide behind a facade of legal uh, phrases when they're just sentencing all these young people to get killed by the police in a desert. Um, and that's the that's the whole movie. Yeah. Why'd you pick it? Now, why'd I pick it? Because I heard it was good, and it was a 70s movie, and I liked those. I didn't think that hard. I did not realize when I picked it, this was going to be a movie that we'd all agree with and then have nothing to say about because, you know, it's fairly <laughs> self-evident. I, so, I like this movie a lot. It's great. Yeah, but I was it's watching yeah, it's it and going, Phenomenal. going like, what's, there's nothing, he, like, I agree with all everything everyone says who comes in and has to talk to this uh, thing. Uh, the guy who's just, like, saying Black Panther shit. I'm like, yeah, I love the Black Panthers. They're great. I do believe America sucks and should be destroyed. I do hate the police uh <laughs> I, I just don't have anything here i i yes i agree with all this <laughs> right yeah no it's definitely one of those uh i didn't know anything about this movie going in it had this like magical effect on me where i couldn't tell for like 
at least three minutes if it was a documentary or not. <laughs> uh, so that was a fun effect. Uh, no, I super liked it. But, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I watched the first 20 minutes of the movie with a copy where the audio was, like, horrifically out of sync. <laughs> And I only realized, like, when they were doing more face-to-face interviews, at first I thought, oh, they, they're, like, cutting over different audio with different <laughs> different scenes. And I was like, wait, this just isn't, this is this movie isn't in sync. This is, movie's completely broken. <laughs> and I had to go get a new copy. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's mostly pretty straightforward. It's weird. It's like, I'm like, I, I, I have, I literally have nothing. This is very good. It is what it is. Uh, fuck the police. Yes. Death to America. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I highly recommend it. Like it wasn't even, the thing. It's weird because like this movie coming in the seventies. I I guess I just don't know to the average person what this sounds like because like this is just the reality that is put in front of us every day at this point. Like like on Twitter, like you know I've followed mostly leftist spaces, but like just the news, it's like the police murder the citizens, uh, everyone's suffering under a system that oppresses us, like economically and uh, through laws, and and uh, as they go out and spread imperialism throughout the world and cause the damage of everyone else. Um, there's a whole a very avoidable pandemic that's been happening for two years now. If we had just actually like held anyone to any sort of responsibility would have been like on a national level would have been taken care of not happened um there's just nothing fictitious about this other than you had to like have a reason for the cops to kill people (laughs) well that 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 part's i guess the more interesting part to like it the leftist stuff is not interesting to discuss in that it is self-evident you watch the movie well, sure, and you what i mean what i mean is like um, for someone in the 70s who's watching this like yeah. i assume some of this seems like like radical like things they've yes. never heard before people expressed before i know like on its release like the, the, the wikipedia talks about like people were mad because it was like you know we're in the middle of v- like uh, vietnam and you can't just say this shit um which is unfathomable to me because like we've been in the middle of a war for 20 years now and everyone talks shit about it because it's evil unjust war and there's no national consensus that we shouldn't talk shit about our you know police actions in the middle east that continue to this day uh everyone knows it fucking sucks and is like immoral yeah but like i mean in this movie this is expressed through um that's how the students feel like the students know everyone knows uh and then the uh uh 40 to 50 year old people on the tribunal know that this is just the rebellious youth sure Um, but the, the movie expresses this as like these are statements that are like shocking um, and I just think that might be it, might have been true in seventy one. I don't think that's true in twenty twenty one. You know, I I think the not generational because it's more of a class divide. Just did, but it does express itself through generational conflict in many ways because of who has that that power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that dichotomy still exists. You still get the people who you know believe in America shocked that the kids uh, uh, don't invest in this evil imperialist state. Yeah, I guess I just don't. Tr- I don't believe that those people are like earnest about it. Um, of course, they're, as, they're not lying as, about the, the fact they believe in America. As somebody who goes to the gym once a week and has to watch Fox News sometimes because I accidentally pick the treadmill that's in front of Fox News. Oh no! I <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> just, just on accident, it happens. Um, no, there, there are people that you know. These people exist, like that think 
you know, everything we believe is crazy and but still believe that everything America is doing is right. Um, the interesting thing here is um, because of the movie's um, like setting, you have either the people who are just deeply invested in the, in this weird fascist police exercise they have going on, uh, or the people who are um, participating in it and having being killed by the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't have the thing where like this is what happened after the seventies. One of the big things that changes in how this stuff uh, is it, like societally expressed is the eighties happens eventually. Um, and education changes drastically. Uh, the like the power of student movements is crushed by multiple like uh, financial and other such forces to stop people organizing on campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing, and you like this is a big to conservative. This is a big problem. The big problem in the sixties is they let people have too much education and time and the ability to understand things. Uh, and in a modern movie you'd have you'd have the like fucking centrists about it right who'd be like well i don't agree with punishment park but what do we what do we like that that's that position doesn't exist there's no like people who equivocate on it mm-hmm. um and i found that kind of interesting because that would be like the dom- exploring the way those people prop up the powers like what a lot of these movies are about now mm-hmm. um and that's just not uh here uh in this initial film Uh, (laughs) Uh, the other thing is um uh the just the idea of you know the next i don't know how long it was till uh this kicked off because um everyone cites battle royale but like this is one of the first classic death game movies right it basically has the same plot as squid game uh what if instead in, to fix your problem uh, of oppression, you could do uh, a game that we have rigged, um, and it's like that they are still making this exact movie now uh, or show. Right, it is a form that is now so generic as to have lost a lot of its power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a trope now. Um, and I I really liked how um because this is a like a fake documentary and this this form doesn't exist yet uh the the death that ha- it's never about like the shocking deaths the deaths are all in fact really um i mean they are shocking but not in the the way that they are in like a fictional battle royale movie where like the moment of death and the terror of it is uh like always fixated upon because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of the times here this is like the film crew coming upon the por- the corpse of someone that they didn't see get killed and the police going yeah well he they you know they get to set the narrative after the fact and you know they're lying because you're watching the movie and you know what the police are um but there's no way to tell uh for a lot of the you know the police just get to go up to the cameras and tell them tell say anything that's what the police get to do that's like part of their power yeah mm-hmm. I, don't yeah. Know, I, I don't have anything i went to you i was like you gotta stop picking movies we just agree with there's nothing here I, yeah i did i didn't ahead of time understand that like i was just going to plex library and was like i've heard this movie's great so i'm gonna pick it um I didn't. I didn't know it was just going to be a movie that that is very self evident. Uh, I think if I had to pick like a weakest part, it would be the parts where uh, it focuses so much on um, 
the the British director yelling, "You're all you're all fascists!" At the end, and... uh, very just very the... funny in the context of what's happened to your country over the last fifty years. Yes, uh, that that bit's funny, but also the idea that like in a movie made even a decade later about these same ideas because the eighties like radically changes how media works. Uh, the the presentation of this to the world wouldn't be part of the system itself. Like they wouldn't just let a random guy in to film a documentary no. about it. But I, the, the the film is aware that his threat to like oh people in Europe will see this is not actually like effective. Yes. No, it's not going to no. do anything. It's not going to no. change yes. shit. You know. Uh, but the idea that like they haven't media controlled it in the first place. Mm. Uh, is one that is just wouldn't you know that's that's part of the like information war at this point you have you have to media control it uh and it's interesting watching like a version of this plot before a lot of like the modern signifiers of how specifically like post 70s neoliberalism in like interacts with these ideas mm-hmm. um and even though like the core ideas are all 100% the same like some of the ways they're expressed in uh, modern sense are different but we can just move on to questions, I guess. If you have nothing, I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> no, you did good. All right. Uh, questions. If you'd like to send questions, uh, I do want to say the movie's good. You should watch it. But like, you're just going to agree with it. <laughs> That's fine. Nothing's it's so, changed. It's so self-evident. Like, and because it is like in the context of ridiculous death game, I don't even find it like especially depressing. I'm just like, yeah, that is how it is on this bitch of an earth, right? Like, it's just the the Beckett quote. Um, just how it is. Oh, the actually the one thing I do want to know is um even within Punishment Park, right, where all yes. these people are killed uh by police for no reason, uh the disparity in how the like black prisoners are treated compared to the white ones is so obvious. Yes. Like the, mm-hmm. the this black guy who's like bound and gagged and he's got like the chains on his arms, um and like, you know, there's there's deliberate imagery as they're walking them up that there's like slave uh uh like chain gangs as they walk th- across the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, it is deeply aware, you know, even um, uh, some of the people say in their like speeches at uh, the court that like the police system is an evolution of the slave system. Uh, these things are, you know, <laughs> they, they talk about the civil war, right? And like, yeah. they're not, it hasn't actually, the civil war did not free the slaves in the way that you are implying. Yes. Uh, these systems more often, this thing still exists. And yes, even within the people being murdered, uh, the, the horrific um, disparity in how uh, the police treat black people especially is just like, ugh. Yeah. Very precise. Okay. Can I do, can I do questions now for real? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had one more note. Uh, no, all right. Note. If you would like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They don't just have to be about the movie you're covering. Love just random film questions. Our first one is from Adam. If you could make any two actors trade filmographies, who would you pick? I sat and thought about this for a long time, and I still couldn't think of a good answer. Like, Nicolas Cage with Angela Bassett? I don't know. <laughs> um, That's very funny. Um, or Denzel Washington? Like, I just want to see unhinged black actors doing their thing. Like, <laughs> it's not a luxury we get. Uh, Yeah, fair enough. 
I think when I thought about this, the, I just like unbidden. I, I don't even think this is like a great answer, but the thing that came to mind was uh, Mark Wahlberg and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And I was just like, this them? is this is just weird enough that I like I'm I can't think of anything else, and I'm just locked in. I have no idea. I just think it. I just I think of Nicole Kidman in The Departed, and I'm like, that's perfect. You just fixed the movie. <laughs> <laughs> My, the cool kid at the end and the fucking um, overalls and then i'm like how do you how do you make boogie nights work and then i'm like that's not my problem i I don't have to solve the prompt i just want to answer the prompts <laughs> uh that's pretty good <laughs> um jackson uh will smith and steve buscemi <laughs> That's like, like really that. good for Steve Buscemi. Bad for any movie that Steve Buscemi's in. I like Will Smith's fine, No, but... I think it might be pretty good. I, I think if know. you consider it, it might be pretty good. I like I the I idea of a sad sack Will Smith like trying to do that Steve Buscemi thing. I don't know. There's an appeal I'm to this. I'm just imagining Fargo starring Will Smith as like Will Smith is the most. I was I was <laughs> trying to think of I was trying to think of uh, how what this does to like um Big Lebowski, and I'm like I don't know about this. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, that one is completely overturned. Just like the movie is shipwrecked there. You've like you've just like solved the Legend of Bagger Vance though, like straight up. That's all it took. So uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um God. <laughs> bad boys. Uh, <laughs> not a bad answer, all things considered, now that I think about it. Alright, Nora writes in and sent us a clip of Siskel and Ebert watching like reviewing Hercules back in the day and uh Siskel just getting in it, like yelling at Ebert about liking Hercules because it's a bad movie. And you know what? He's right. It's a really fucking bad movie. Um, but was like, when was the last time you argued about a movie like this with a friend? Um, to which I was like thinking about it. And I'm like, the, the first thing that came to mind for me was, and it wasn't even like about, like, it wasn't like this, but it was like when we watched uh, Ping Pong. It was the last time you and me had a big, like, going back and forth about a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Maybe when we watched, uh, what's the fucking George Clooney futurist movie? Tomorrowland? Oh, Tomorrowland, the fucking garbage, <laughs> fucking piece of shit movie. I remember I laugh it. about that all the time. I, yeah, I'm, you, I'm sure watch it. you really came at me for Tomorrowland. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, it's fucking terrible. I'm going to rewatch it someday. Should do it for blockbusters. Uh, I mean, I I know how that'll go. We can we can do it for blockbusters if you want to do it for blockbusters. That's no longer a source, but we did have a big fight about Tomorrowland. I just um very funny my thing is like because it. I follow a lot of like because my friends are mostly like people who are like just online too much. If we just get an art, you have to just disengage because otherwise it becomes a fight where we're both over invested. It's very hard online to get into this fight and not have hurt feelings. I'm sure Cisco and Ebert didn't care about this, then went to have lunch afterwards. And you just, it's harder to do in an online space. Yes. I mean, I remember how the tomorrow night argument ended. <laughs> I don't remember uh, it all, so. I sent you a message going like, what the fuck are you expecting here? I'm not going to like the movie. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> that, that is ultimately the answer, right? Like, and then, then that one kind of ended there. Um, and we haven't really had a, you know, I think that was the last time we had a real argument like that about a movie because that, since then, like, we both realized it was ridiculous and then tried to not get that invested when we argued about movies again. Yes. Uh, also, we have the problem where we just kind of six years ago. have the same agree too much. Them. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I just don't get into fights about... I try not to get in fights about movies, because life's too short, and like I said, it's all online, so it's all nasty. 
Mm-hmm. Destiny, do you have one of these? Um, me and my friend Matt, who has a movie podcast, whose name I can't remember all of a sudden. Sorry about that. Um, constantly, like I'm just constantly defending the Rob Zombie movies, uh, the Halloween movies to him, and he just doesn't understand. And that's the fight we have the most. Uh, it's always now it's in fun. It's it's not even like a serious real fight, but like, uh, I'm I'm determined to get him to see my point, and it's never gonna happen. Hmm. The thing that makes the Ebert bit so good is that, like, Siskel's just, like, 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this isn't, like, a all nuanced, but, like, Siskel's just correct about the movie Hercules, which fucking sucks. I never can remember the songs. Like, I guess I remember Zero to Hero, but generally speaking, and there's a bit where he's, like, um, he says, like, Hakana Matata or something. You get the name of Hakuna Matata wrong, uh, but it is correct, and he's, like, they have an argument as to whether anyone will remember Hakuna Matata in 25 years as opposed (laughs) to the song of Hercules. Yeah, that's really funny. (laughs) It's like, damn. He he cooled this shot so well. Yeah, normally I think Siskel's like a guy who's mostly full of shit. Uh, I don't yes, particularly yes. like his criticism, but he's bang on on this one. <laughs> yes, normally I, I'm, I'm team E, but whatever, there's a stupid argument. Even extremely there. funny and like, oh, it's a Disney movie, it's fine, whatever, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, uh, fair enough. I fucking miss him. Um... Hilver writes in, what genre and month pairing would you like to see in the vein of horror film per day in October? I mean, the obvious answer Hmm. is rom-com February. Oh. Put together a good slate of those, I feel like. Noir November. Noir November. I know Noir November. <laughs> Can't watch any heightened black and white movies in no. November. Inappropriate. Everyone watching fucking The Third Man on December 1st is like, oh god. <laughs> Thank goodness I can finally. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, Neve writes in Any favorite holiday movies? What's your general feeling on holiday movies? This is question one. I like um, them. I like uh, them even- quite a bit. Despite being not a big holiday, like a big Christmas person, I love a Christmas movie. That that that'll get me. I'm I'm sensitive. I'll cry <laughs> if it's good enough. <laughs> uh yeah. I my some of my favorites are like um, I saw It's a Wonderful Life like last year. I really like that. I was surprised how much I like that. Um, I like uh, Scrooge and Miracle on 34th Street. Though my thing with Miracle on 34th Street is only seen the remake. Uh, I should watch the original someday. I really like the remake, though. That's like a childhood staple that I still really like. Um, I like Elf, which apparently is a controversial opinion. Is it? Elf's all right. I like. I haven't seen it in like ten years, but I remember really liking it. Yeah, no, it's. I thought everyone liked Elf. I have. I haven't seen it since release, but I. I thought that like Elf went from like a. It was one of those that wasn't like super well received. Well, maybe it was actually super well received. I don't, I don't really know. remember. Some in um, some but, circles, it's considered a classic. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a classic that came from the fact that everyone like saw it. Not that it was like no, it was eighty five percent of the time on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not a thing that is a you put stock in, but is for this particular cultural thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, people broadly just liked Elf at the time, and it's only gotten fonder as like the kids that saw it grew up. Yeah. So yes, I think Elf is just a popular movie. Okay. I like Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way is really fun. That is a good movie. Um, I like Muppet Christmas Carol. Another. I've classic. never seen it. It's so good. I don't know where it's streaming. I assume it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. 
Um, and then Neve's second question, are there any movies you deeply love, but would have no idea how to approach talking about on a podcast? If so, what's the mental block or difficulty there? I will start by saying about three years in a row, every Halloween, I'm like, is this the year that we should do Rosemary's Baby? And we always don't do it. I think it's a good movie. Destiny and Jackson haven't seen it, but there is the part where it's fucking a Roman Polanski film and like, you know. I don't actually truck with supporting him, obviously. I just think that there'd be good ground for the podcast if we covered that film, but we just haven't done it. That's the big difficulty there is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fuck him. Uh, yes. For me, it's like, I want to do like a horror podcast really bad, but I can't figure out like the thing I'd want to do with it. I would need the right person and the right like approach. Um, there's a lot of like schlocky. This is probably gonna be Destiny's interesting. There's a lot of like schlocky like exploitation stuff that like I just don't f- think fits what we do on this podcast. That would be fun to cover. Yeah, no, I think it'd be fun to do like Doris Wishman movies or Blood Feast or something like that. But I don't know if uh, we'd get a whole lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I also thought about movies that are, like, too close to me personally, like um, The Fountain would be a hard movie to talk about, because I just love it so much. I think we all like The Fountain. I don't know if Jackson's seen it. I like Jackson's seen it. I've not seen The Fountain. But I like that You know, I, I would just be like, yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's just a really sometimes, good movie. Sometimes being a wife guy transcends, uh, like, normal pitfalls of being a wife guy, and it becomes art. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackson, do you have any answers for these? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I, <sighs> hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of like movies I wouldn't want to necessarily do an episode on, but I don't think that means like if someone called on me to talk about them, I wouldn't be able to. Um, Drive Angry 3D. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Uh, all right. Our next email is from Stove. Rank these guys. Humphrey Bogart, Cary Grant, James Stewart, Marlon Brando, and Fred Astaire. I'm putting um, Fred Astaire okay. at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. There's no contest about that one. <laughs> and then, no offense, but Humphrey Bogart's next, just because I've seen his filmography the least... Yeah, I have I have Brando at four for the exact same reason. I just haven't seen that many Brando movies. And the ones I have ha- seen, it's like a you know like Apocalypse Now and Superman. He's not like doing his best work in those. <laughs> I've got Brando third, and then uh, Cary Grant second, James Stewart first. Uh, this is where I'm like I have not seen enough old movies to truly be able to really rank any of these. Um, um, I remember. Th- Thinking that Humphrey Bogart wasn't that great in whatever I saw him in, but this is like a opinion I had years ago, watching one on one not old noir movie. My uh, <laughs> uh, Bogart third, he's fine. Uh, I haven't seen like um, what's the one where he's on a boat. I haven't seen that one. I should see that one. The African Queen. Yes, that's it. Couldn't think of the name. Uh, just like there's like classics of his that I haven't seen, but like I like I like Casablanca a lot. It's a great movie. Uh, James Stewart's number second, uh, number two. Uh, that's he's a guy who I didn't really like the first couple of movies I saw him in, and have come around on in a way. Um, man, he's so fucking good in Rope. Is the thing he's so yes. fucking good in Rope. <laughs> he is good in Rope. Damn, uh, he's good one in everything. Cary, number one is Cary Grant, um, who I just generally like. I think that he's fun. Um, 
if I could write in a number one to top all these guys, Spencer Tracy's better than all five of these guys put together to me. I fucking love Spencer Tracy. Um, I only think of that because Kay Grant's on here. So yeah, I know no, he doesn't like hang in the same circles generally. So, um, and then favorite bonus feature for a movie. I don't really have one. I just like gag reels. That's something I realized watching Krampus last night. I watched Krampus with some friends because uh, they watch it every year. And there's a gag reel that's like 20 minutes long. And it's such a delight. Like, I just love watching actors fuck up. <laughs> um, mine is always, I like when you just get to sit down with the effects guys and talk about making, like, special effects. Uh you know, we're making a monster. We're cutting a guy in half. Whatever. I want. I want to see like makeup and special effects features. Love that shit. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, I fet like I have a boring answer for this, which is just you know, the humble commentary. I just want it to be a good commentary. I need good selection, not just the director sleeping through it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are a lot of different angles. Like I like uh, effects guys. Maybe like an actor one can be fun. Um. I, I, you know, you can get, if you get the right people, some stuff, but the writing can be okay. Um, the director's usually just like talking about, oh yeah, on this day it was this, and, you know, yeah, some directors have great commentaries, but a lot of the time that's uh, the weakest one mm-hmm. uh, on whatever set you get. Um, but there are a lot of different uh, angles that I still like to see expressed through the medium of, I put on a damn commentary and then just like half watch the movie while listening to it. Yeah. Um, Tron writes in with some questions I think we've mostly answered, but the one here that I want to shout out is, if you were in charge of making a Star Trek Enterprise movie, what would you all make? This could be expanded to all Star Trek, because Destiny hasn't seen Enterprise, and Jackson, don't spoil Enterprise in your answer. If you Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll try not to spoil Enterprise. Um... But then I can't really answer it, can I? <laughs> Should I like um, leave and come back? <laughs> no, that's no, fine. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this on an SOS scene or something. Uh, uh, I don't. I guess I don't, don't really know. Um, other than I would just like one. I like the characters. I I feel like a tragic anyway movie would be an unmitigated disaster. Um, just in the fact that the the actors don't have the movie chemistry you need. Yeah. Um, they're the most TV actors Star Trek has ever got ever. I think uh, I think that's fine. I think what I would want to make is just a fourth uh Kelvinverse movie. I think at this point that's like the actual Star Trek movie I'm most excited about seeing. Uh with the Star Trek gang uh now they're actually like old enough to yeah, be they're old enough in Star to be Trek. The Star Trek gang and they're just going to go on a Star Trek adventure. There's just going to be some weird space mystery. They have to send out the fucking Enterprise and they solve it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess yes. You're right. There, there are Star Trek cast members. There are people who are playing Kirk and Spock and Bones that people like. Yeah, and you could put them in a movie right now. Yeah, and they're not doing it. They're not doing it. It's like a crime. <laughs> and I know the Kelvin vs. is like a controversial thing, but like you just you can just put them in a fucking Star Trek movie tomorrow. Yeah. I, I guess Chris Pine's still a little expensive. The Wonder Woman movies did okay, but everyone else's stock is not that high. Yeah. Uh, maybe Zoe Saldana still 
She's got the maybe, uh, maybes, but like you can get Carl Urban, you can get uh, Zachary Quinto. What the they, fuck is Zachary Quinto doing? They Nothing. need to, they need to put down the fat stacks for beefed up Mirror Universe George Kirk. You, can, you <laughs> cannot get you you cannot put down those stacks because he is worth more than the rest of the cast put together. He is, he uh, is, he is, he is, but. And like by all accounts, those were like the contract disputes around when they were trying to do that movie. They were like, "I'm not going to be paid less than Chris Hemsworth." When like, yes, you are. Yes, you fucking are. God, remember when they were about to do something like that? It probably wouldn't have been Mirror Universe, but it should be. It writes itself. Yeah. What if there was Mary? What if there was some stuff going on, and there was Mirror Universe George Kirk, but it wasn't like a thing. It was like Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's, it's, it just happened. It's a coincidence they're related. Yeah, he's I'm, just evil now. I'm just saying, John Cho is very free right now. Suddenly, so. <laughs> <laughs> he's so free right now. God. Okay. Autumn writes in, if you have to write and or direct a remake of one movie you've covered for repertory screenings, which do you choose? What is your absolute bottom choice for doing this with? You wouldn't want to touch. Is, I've, I've been thinking about this because you sent us this one. Yeah. And, hmm, I don't know. What does everyone else have? Cause, oh, uh, I, 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 I... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm not touching Citizen Kane. I'm remaking the life of Brian to make it funny. Uh, I am going to remake Torque. Uh, <laughs> Damn it! And the one I'm absolutely not touching is uh, Daughters, Daughters of the Dust. Dust. Yes. Yes, no. That, 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 was, that one was easy. That was an easy answer for that. Simply never touching that. Um, I guess if you've taken Torque, uh, which is the easy, I feel like a very obvious choice, uh, I will be remaking the player. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's fair. Uh, the right stuff also prime for remaking, I think. I just don't think I could, like, I could probably make a better movie in that it wouldn't be as fucking ridiculous, but it would I would not think to put the guy's face inside the, the uh, See, I would, I would just turn up that part of the movie, like, make it more of that shit. Um, but without I, tipping I, it over into pure comedy. I just want a movie that's a little weird. The, the thing about it is that, like, while I would do it in... Okay, the... I would only think to do that because it's in the original movie. If I was asked to make the right stuff, I wouldn't think, well, I should put his yes. face in the, in the thing. Like, it, it, it wouldn't be uh, honest. It wouldn't be coming from me. I feel like I couldn't actually do that stuff weirder than the right stuff does. Or the, like, fucking agent plotline that's running through it that's just a comedy, men in black comedy for no reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ridiculous. And then our final question from Rick. What's a movie that you've heard amazing things about but are not watching for uh, any reason? Uh, my examples, I've heard nothing but Breathless Praise for a more of the Michael Haneke film, but I know broadly what it's about, and I don't want to watch a thing that will make me sad. Uh, that's like a big one. But like that one I haven't seen for the exact same reason. Why would I subject myself to that? <laughs> yes, I'm already like terrified of aging powerfully every day. <laughs> um. So yes, to have haven't seen that one. Um, it, it's often, usually, the reason these days is when there's a movie that everyone posts too much about. Like I've not seen Uncut Gems. That one was dead to me before it uh, even made it out here, um, because like I knew the entire plot. Every single scene had been posted on Twitter, uh, and I was like, "Well, I'm glad you're having fun, but you all killed this movie dead." Yeah, uh, is usually the way this goes, um, and. Yeah, that's a big one. But these days, I just kind of don't. I don't know. I'm watching older stuff, and I'm, I'm I don't 
follow as much um, film Twitter nonsense. So luckily, I'm a little more immune now. My my stock answer for this is, and it's just honest, is always Shoah. Um, why would I? Why would I subject myself to that much misery? Uh, I'm sure it's good. I, it almost have to be. It's very long, uh, <laughs> and it's about important things. But whew, I'm good. Yeah, yes. same boat. Uh, Derek Jarman's Blue just sounds too sad. Too sad. I don't, I don't want to be that about. sad. What's that about? He's like losing his eyesight because he's dying of AIDS, the director, oh, in real God. life. And so the movie's shot completely in blue because that's all he could see. And it's like one of his last, I think it's his last movie before he did die. Um, and I just don't. I can't. Yeah. Uh, on that cheery note, we're done. Thanks, everybody. Again, <laughs> emails at abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back next time. We're not doing any holiday thing. Uh, this episode will be out the week of Christmas, uh, which is next fucking next week. Um, I hope you have a good one if you celebrate. If you don't, I hope you enjoy whatever you're doing on uh, Saturday where everyone else is celebrating. Uh, we're going to be eating Chinese food. That's what we do. Um, not doing anything else, really. Um Next time, we are watching uh, A Face in the Crowd, the Elia Kazan movie, which I have not seen. Uh, Destiny's going to pick this. Um, you've seen it, right, Destiny? Yes, I have. It's a favorite. Yeah. Um, I've never seen an Elia Kazan movie, like straight up. So, Oh, that's yes, exciting. My, my first Elia Kazan movie. Um, we're going to also, also <laughs> abandon all reason like uh, Scorsese and just, we love Elia Kazan. It doesn't matter that he's like a rat. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> I... Multiple fucking Blue Shack professional film critics yelling at me when I made this joke. When it was a joke about how I like Scorsese, but also he's a bit of an embarrassment about this one thing. And they're like, oh, how dare you? I was like, I agree with you. Shut up. Leave me alone. Everyone's insane about this stuff. Anyway, um, so that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, like I said, I hope you have a good... Uh, I guess this episode will be out... No, this will be out on the... We'll be recording on the first. So this is the end of the year. Thanks, everyone, who's been supporting us, listening to the podcast. Tell your friends, RepertoryScreenings.com. You know the thing. Now it's time for Plugs Destiny. At Fridge Buzz Now on all your social media uh, outlets. And my other podcast, Badland Girls, is on AbnormalMapping.com slash Badland Girls. Check it out. Jackson. Uh, I'm at off on Twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and I do at AbnormalMapping.com. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all our podcasts at patreon.com slash mapping. For $5, you get Blockbusters, uh, which is us every month breaking down a movie. Tomorrow, we're recording our episode on uh, a miscongeniality. Either that episode or this episode is going to be out first, but they're going to be right on top of each other. So enjoy one and then enjoy the other, I guess. I would also uh, recommend people listen to Gotham City Limits, which is me and my friend Autumn talking about Batman, the animated series. You can find that no, at X- not. You can find the export odd.io <laughs> slash Batman because increasingly the first 20 minutes is just us talking about anything else. Uh, we, we just <laughs> talked about movies for like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. This most recent episode is about to come out. Um, that's just what we do there. Uh, we, it's just become our catch all for talking about whatever's on our minds before we briefly talk about Batman Image series. It's really good. Um, every podcast is about movies if you let it go on long enough. That's so true. Uh, anyway, until next time, movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs> <laughs>